Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. Amen. Well, let's hold up our Bible, make a declaration tonight from our lips. I want everybody to help me with this. Say, this is my Bible. I need everybody. This is my Bible. Hey, there you go. I am what it says I am. JC, you're messing me up. Let's start over. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Tonight I will be taught from the ever-living, incorruptible seed of the Word of God. I will never, ever, ever be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, you may be seated. Thank you so much for being here at 630. Let's go. You'll have time to stop by and get you a uh, uh, hot fudge Sunday, Gus, on the way home from church if you would like to. Plus, the, we can put the kids in bed at a reasonable time. I just uh, so thankful that y'all are here. How about this weather, y'all? Come on. We ought to give thanks for the moisture. On this land, healing that came to this land. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and repent of their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And I believe there was healing that took place in the land. But it's crazy to me because like last week we were like in 83, 85, 93 degree weather. And, oh, you know what, Pastor Robert, I forgot, I was in Florida. So that wasn't for you guys, I'm sorry. Sorry for the tan. Oh, I'm so sorry. Don't throw tomatoes. That was mean. I, I apologize. But hey, uh, I'm so glad that you guys are here. I hope that you uh, have been teased enough and ready to get in the meat of Hebrews chapter 6 and what I call the big six. I'm passionate about this particular teaching because how many of y'all, even in the first two teachings that you understood and, and as you, you saw this in Hebrews 5, at the latter end of Hebrews chapter 5 and the first part of Hebrews chapter 6, that there is people that you know in your life that they have gone off on some wild trails from the Word because they don't have a good foundation in the Word. Let me see a show of hands of some people that have gotten caught up in some kinks because they don't have a good foundation. And this is what the writer of Hebrews, I believe, I think I know who the... This might be my first question when I get to heaven. When I'm going to ask Peter, okay, who wrote Hebrews? I can see the streets of gold, and I can see the mansions, but who wrote Hebrews? And uh, I have a a good idea of who it is, but the writer here, he's saying, well, let's just read it together, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. "For For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So he's talking to a group of people here that have been saved for quite some period of time, but they're realize, he's, he's realizing, beginning to see, that they're still seeing things under the law. How many of y'all know we don't live under the law anymore? Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Come on, we ought to shout that tonight, on a Wednesday night, that we're thankful for what Jesus did, how he redeemed us and bought us back from the curse of the law. And so he's saying, and are become such need of milk and not of strong meat. And we, we discussed all of this, how important all of these words are. 
For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on. We talked about that last week. On unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. That's the first one. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And of faith toward God. That's the second one. Then the third one. Of the doctrine of baptisms. Everybody say zims. Zims. It's not baptism. It's baptisms. The laying on of hands. The resurrection of the dead. And of eternal judgment. There are six big sixes here. That uh, I believe that are very vital for our foundation and our walk with Christ. And we just, and I believe uh, many of you in here in this room, you already have these firm, but we need to make sure we're all on the same page. Amen? So tonight we're going to talk about repentance and what it is. How many of y'all know repentance is a big thing? I'm going to say it again. How many of y'all know repentance is a big thing? I'm telling you, churches, there's many churches across America today that they don't teach repentance. And I'm telling you, there's a reason why he says this is the first one. Because it's big. It's big. The first principle the writer of Hebrews talks about in chapter 6 is the foundation of repentance from dead works. Remember this word foundation is the Greek word them, uh, themelios. It is a combination of the word lithos, which means to stone, and the word tithemi which means to place. When these words come together, the new compounded word denotes something that is set in stone, a foundation that cannot be easily moved or shaken, or something so solid that it will endure the test of time. It's like Jesus tells the parable of the man who built his house on a rock and the one who built it on, a sand, on the sand. If you've ever studied that text before, the same things happen to the house on the sand as happens on the rock. Right? How many of y'all know, even though you've given your life to Christ, there's still an enemy out there? There's still an adversary out there. There's still the big bad wolf that huffs and puffs and tries to blow your house down. But the one who has a foundation of the rock stands. Amen? This means that the issue of repentance is so vital and important. Those are your first two words there. Vital and important in our lives that our understanding of it should be set in stone. But I will also take into consideration from my few short years in ministry that many do need to be taught again regarding this issue because they were not properly taught it the first time. I can say with confidence that this topic has been misrepresented and misunderstood in the church today, even though it is an elementary topic in our faith. Many believers see the act of repentance as remorse. Yes, they may not say they may not say that with their mouth, but their actions agree with the comment. Or they believe that that repentance is a spiritual get-out-of-jail-free card that allows them to admit uh, fault, ask for forgiveness, and dive right back into the same sin time and time again. But I hope you will see tonight that this couldn't be further from the truth. And And believers that live this way open their lives wide open to attacks from the enemy. So let's talk about repent and what what is the meaning. We heard it many times uh, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But repent is a very important New Testament word. It's first time being used were in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This is the part in Scripture where John the Baptist preached. He said, repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. We see it in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 2. 
and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We see it in Mark chapter 1 and verse 4. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance from the remission of sins. We see in Luke chapter 3 and verse 3, And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Everybody say repentance. The ministry of John the Baptist was literally launched with this one word, repent. According to this doctrine of his preaching, the only way to enter into the kingdom of heaven was through repenting. Jesus also started his ministry out by publicly declaring in his first sermon in Matthew chapter 4, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. We also see this in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. We see that Peter used this same word in the beginning of his ministry on the day of Pentecost. So to review, Jesus, John the Baptist, and Peter all understood this very same truth. The only way you can begin a relationship with God is through the act of repentance. Do you guys see that? Come on, I'm going to ask it in. Do you see that? That's how you start a relationship with the Lord. So that is the starting point for every person who wishes to enter a relationship with God. In fact, it is so foundational to begin to the beginning of one's relationship with God that if a person has never repented, he has never been saved. Repentance is the birth canal through which people enter the kingdom of God in other words, it is the only way a person can be truly delivered from the power and the kingdom of darkness and to be spiritually reborn and filled with the God kind of life. That's a big word. The word repent that was used by John the Baptist, Jesus, and Peter in the Greek was the word mataneo. It is a compound of the words meta and nous. The word meta means a turn or a change, and the word nous refers to the mind. When these two words are compounded, the new word describes it's the most basic sense, a change of mind or a complete conversion. The word Montaneo reflects a turn, a change of direction, change of direction, an about face, a new course, a completely altered view of life and behavior or a decision to believe, think and act differently. In the Old Testament, set Septuagint and the classical Greek language. This word mataneo is used by prophets who called on their people to turn away from evil and turn towards the way of the Lord, changing one's attitude and ways. In the New Testament, this word is used often to denote a complete, radical, and total change. Repentance is not just acceptance of a new philosophy or a new idea. It is actually a decision made to completely change a person's thoughts, behaviors, and actions, or to entirely turn around in the way one is thinking, believing, or living. So the word repent in the New Testament gives the image of a person changing from top to bottom. It is a conversion to truth so deep that it is a result of a total transformation wholly affecting every part of that person's life. You guys getting something already? All right. Live transformation. This idea of an across-the-board transformation is big to the word repent. In fact, if there is no transformation, change of behavior, or change of desire in a person who claims to have repented, it is doubtful that true repentance has occurred no matter what the person claims. Although real repentance begins with a decision to make an about-face and to change, its proof can be witnessed as a person's outward conduct lines up with the decision that he made. 
This is not someone just saying he wants to change. This is someone deciding to be different, deciding to turn, deciding to change. And on the other side of that decision, that person brings forth the fruits of repentance or a lifestyle change that proves his repentance is genuine. That word noose, meaning the mind, that is contained in the Greek word matineo, is significant. It means the decision to repent lies in the mind, not in the emotions. You hear that? Not in the mind, or, or to repent lies in... The decision to repent lies in the mind, not in the emotions. In fact, when this word is translated repent, there is not a hint of emotion. It is a decision of the mind and heart to think differently and believe differently that then results in change of behavior. That is not the same as a fleeting sorrow for past actions, but it is a solid intellectual decision to make an about-face turn, take a new direction, and fully change the pattern, pattern of one's life. Emotions may accompany repentance, but they are not required to repent. I'm going to say that again. Emotions may accompany repentance, but they are not required to repent. So true repentance is a mental choice that originates in the heart to leave a life of sin, flesh, and selfishness and to turn, turn toward God with all of one's heart and mind in order to follow Jesus. A prime example of such a turning can be seen in Paul's first letter to the Thessalonian believers when he commended them for the way in which they had turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. We see it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9. He says this, For they themselves shew, show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So the word turned here in the Greek is epistropho, which means to be completely turned around. Note that Paul said that these believers turn from idols to serve the living and true God. So the word serve is important, for it tells us that, they, that the turn they produced was a life change with visible fruit that reflected the change. It's the word, how many of y'all know it's important that we as believers that we reflect fruit that is changed on the inside of us? Amen? It's the word dulio, and it's the word for a servant, implying that these believers had fully left behind idolatry and had completely dedicated their lives to serving Jesus. By using this word dulio, Paul informed us that the Thessalonians didn't just claim to have repented, they showed it by changing the way they thought, lived, and served. Their outward behavior was guaranteed proof that real repentance had occurred. No exceptions. Everybody say, no exceptions. Many in the modern church might view the definition of repentance as extreme and try to delegate it to a specific camp or portion of the body of Christ. I'm telling you, this is... Uh, we, uh, we see it all the time. People, uh, pastors are afraid to, to preach about this or sin. But how many of y'all know repentance is a Bible word? And sin is a Bible word. Right? But just think back to the Apostle Paul's fearless statement when he was addressing the intellectuals on Mars Hill in Acts 17 and verse 30. He said, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. It's a, that's a great scripture. So Paul 
I mean, I want you to think about this room that he's talking to. These are some very smart people. And as the Spirit of God comes out of him to say these words. So Paul, <clears throat> Paul's use of the word repent in this verse, the Greek word montaneo, denoting a change of mind, must have been very interesting to his audience. Think about this. Paul was appealing to the intellectuals of a very educated group of Greeks. He was reasoning with them to make a complete and intentional turnaround from the worship of idols to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Paul boldly told them that this was God's command and made no apology for the truth. How many of y'all know we can't make an apology for the truth? That phrase, all men everywhere, this, I thought this very interesting, is all inclusive in the Greek language. It embraces everyone. It doesn't matter what color or nationality a person is or high or low his level of education or economic status is. God is commanding all people everywhere to acknowledge that, they're, uh, that they are in sin, making a decision to turn or change and bring forth a fruit of repentance. There are no exceptions. God commands all to repent. If a person never repents of his sin and makes the decision to turn toward God and receive Jesus as his Savior and the Lord of his life, he simply will not go to heaven. The Bible clearly teaches that repentance is God's requirement for every person on the planet. Remorse versus repentance. Many people think they repent, but they actually don't. An example of this type of common misconception can be found in Matthew 27, verses 3 through 5, where the Bible talks about Judas Iscariot. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. You see that? And brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned, and in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is, what is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. That word translated repented here is a very different Greek word from the word matineo that we just looked at. As we saw, the word repent means a change of mind or a decision to think differently, believe differently, and act differently. But when the Bible talks about Judas Iscariot repenting, it's the Greek word matalema, which describes Profound sorrow or the feeling of being engulfed in grief. It is a completely emotional word and has nothing to do with the ability to decide or to make a choice. It refers only to being swallowed up in regret and remorse. How many of y'all know regret and remorse is a voice of the enemy? Shame, guilt, and condemnation, that comes from the enemy. Romans tells us this, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Judas Iscariot didn't repent. He did not make a decision to turn his life around. He just was swallowed up in sorrow for what he had done. And that sorrow engulfed him until he committed suicide. I'll tell you a story. I wanted to give you an example of this because I've seen this time and time again where people think that emotions have to be required for true repentance to happen. And, and uh, we were at youth camp years ago. We had four great nights when we were there. And there was a young man the first night. He came up and he gave his life to the Lord. In fact, if I told you who this person was, he is serving the Lord strong today. But I remember he came to the front, not one emotion on his face. 
He came to the front, never asked Jesus to be the Lord of his life, except him in his heart. Well, the next night we had another altar call, and there was a few, uh, uh, there was a group of kids that came forward. Well, there was two different girls that were in there, and they were emotional. The young girls, seventh, eighth grade girls, which how many of y'all know they can be emotional? And so can the boys. I'm not just picking on the girls, but the boys can too. And they were emotional. Well, he comes back up to the front and he gets in line. And the next night, um, so that, that night I asked him, I said, I, I said, you prayed, which this is sometimes you've had, I've had to have this conversation with people before. Listen, you prayed, you repented. It's okay. And he said this, but when I came up, I didn't cry. And I said, what's that supposed to mean? He said, well, I really felt like if this is such an important deal as you talk it is of giving your life to Christ, I feel like I would be more emotional, but I'm just not getting emotional. And that really did something to me that it that it that he really thought to himself that emotions had to be required for him to have the act of repentance. And I've actually even as a boy and as I began to think about that. I would really think to myself, uh, the people that came to the front that were really sorrowful and bawling their eyes out, you get the box of tissues. Can I tell you, lots of times those people are the ones that walk right out the same way that they walked in because they're caught up in an emotion. Because an emotion grabbed them of a message that maybe, and I'm not saying that's a bad, I've seen people also too with those emotions be world changers. But this young man that came forward, what did he do? He didn't have a change of emotion. He had a change of mind. This is what I'm trying to communicate tonight is this. Repentance is a change of mind. I'm not going back. It's like uh, people that that are quitting um, like drugs and alcohol or any kind of abuse of those types of things. Or maybe even, let's even talk about uh, in your finances. If you repent of living a particular way, living beyond your means and things like that. How many of y'all know you can say it all you want to, but when you do it here is when you're going to do it? Right? It's when you do it right here is when it's going to be the difference maker. You can bawl and squall all you want to that you're broke, but you'll still do the same patterns if you hadn't made it up inside your mind that you're going to be different. Are you hearing me tonight? I know this is big, but this is, this is the word. Understanding the, the different kinds of repentance. Repentance is God's requirement that brings you into the kingdom of God. That was the initial experience of repentance. When you repented of sin, you were born again and you became a child of God. The act of repentance never has to be repeated again. But repentance doesn't stop at salvation. All right? Now that first sentence, I'm just grabbing your attention. Some of you are like, what? But hear me out here. This is as important truth to remember when reading Hebrews 6 and verse 1. The writer of Hebrews was addressing Jewish believers and evidently when many of them sinned, they kept trying to go back and start all over again. I mean, all thankful for God's redemption. Oh, Lord. In other words, they would repent as if they needed to get saved all over in order to restore their position as children of God. As believers, we don't have to do that when we miss it and sin after we've been born again. But the very nature of repentance states that we cannot initially come to God, repent of our sins, and then continue to live as we did before we received the Lord. We sing that old hymn, Just As I Am Without One Plea. I mean, I've heard that song before. And certainly we do come to God just as we are 
to receive his gracious gift of salvation. But hear me now. God doesn't expect us to remain the way that we are. He expects change. And that is what repentance is all about. With godly repentance, there must be an abandonment of our past and complete and absolute surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Evidenced by our living to God's righteous standard. Now, there will be times in our walk with God with God when we need to repent and get ourselves realigned with his word in some area of our life. I mean, y'all have ever had to do that before? Every body part. But that is not repentance for salvation. That is repentance in which we acknowledge that we have gotten off track and we are now deciding to get back on track again. When the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to those things that are displeasing to him, we must be willing to repent. To make an intelligent decision to adjust our thinking and behavior to conform to God's ways. It's a conscious choice that we must make again and again throughout our walk with Him in this life. We will remain resistant in our, atti- in our attitude and defy God's requirement to change. Will we, as a question, will we remain resistant to our attitude and defy God's requirement to change? Or will we humbly bow before His holiness and adjust our thinking and behavior to get in agreement with God and His Word? Repentance from dead works. Now we're getting in the nitty-gritty here. The writer of Hebrews went on to say in Hebrews 6 and verse 1, repentance from dead works. Simply put, this phrase, dead works, refers to any works that produce death. It doesn't have have to be so obvious an obvious sinful act in fact it could be religious activity for example there are some denominations that teach that a person has to go through all kinds of unscriptural rituals to be saved how many of y'all know that is garbage right if you trust anything for your salvation besides a simple faith in christ and his redemptive work on the cross that is a dead work and it is not leading you into life You will never be accepted in Christ because of religious activity or your own fleshly efforts. It is a fact that if you love the Lord, you will do good things that bless others and further the kingdom of God as long as you live on this earth. But you don't do those things just to carry the favor of God. You simply have the Holy Spirit living within you and He leads you and causes your heart to desire to do good things that bless others. Dead works can also be sinful acts of the flesh that used to control our lives. The Bible says that we need to repent from these. In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we see that Jesus told five churches to repent. The The people in these congregations were already saved. He wasn't telling them to repent to get saved because that was something they never needed to do again. He was telling them to repent because as Christians, they needed to receive the Holy Spirit's correction and make some changes in their life. How many of y'all believe the church at Ephesus was a saved church? I believe they were a saved church, but he's saying you need to repent because you got so caught up in the system that you forgot to love me. Right? I mean, go back and look at it. If you want to, that's Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 2. That's the very first church that he goes to, the loveless church. You might as well settle in yourself. Even though you're a child of God, you're going to be repenting when you get out of line in order to get back on track for the rest of your life. 
There are many other dead works that we might need to repent of. Just to name a few, overeating. I had to repent of that in Florida. Speaking in an ugly manner to other people. Stealing the tithe. This is actually a very, a very serious form of wrong behavior. You need to repent and bring the tithe to the storehouse. Amen. Your local church. Alcohol abuse. Unforgiveness. Bitterness. Gossiping. Do I need to say more? That's just to name a few. All these th things require us to make a decision to repent. Not so we can be saved again, because we already did that once and for all. But from the point of salvation until we leave this earthly life, we must continually be ready to repent when the Holy Spirit convicts us of areas when we, we have strayed. This enables us to stay in right relationship with God, with ourselves, and with others. I heard the story of a particular pastor. <clears throat> I was reading this book, and... Um, it's a couple of years ago. I forget the name of the name of the book, but he was talking about an experience that he had in his own life of how his kids came to him, and he'd gotten up into like uh, he he had gotten really big. He's a short guy, but he had gotten really really big. Well, his kids come to him and his wife, and they said, "This you've got to lose some weight." Well, of course, at first he got he got upset, and they he and and they said, "Well," he, he asked them, "What do you want me to do?" They said, "Well, you got to stop." You, you got to start eating right. You got to start exercising. He said, well, I'll do it. And they said, yeah, you'll do it because you're getting on a plane tomorrow and you're going somewhere and somebody's going to coach you on how to do this for 30 days. 30 days. Of course, he was very ugly to him and he didn't want to do it. And so, but his whole point of what he was writing in there was this, that my feelings of how I felt about the, the situation weren't lined up with really uh, what I wanted to do. But here's the deal. Feelings can mess you up. How many of y'all know we can't be led by feelings? And so lots of times we, we may not feel. Uh, my point is this. We, we may not feel like it's bitterness. We may not feel like it's gossiping. But get past your feelings and repent is what I'm saying. Amen? Let's get past our feelings. And there's been times before where a pastor or somebody in my life led by the Holy Spirit and corrected me on something. And I didn't feel like I was wrong. But you know what? I repented anyway. I repented and I made things right. How many of y'all know repentance will get us right back on track of where we need to be? Bringing forth fruit <clears throat> worthy of repentance. In the Old Testament, people didn't have continual access to the power of God like we do. Repentance was simply a decision or a desire. But in the New Testament, repentance always includes outward actions. Because believers have the power of God living inside of them in the person of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Amen. Matthew 3 and verse 8 said, uh, in the ASV, it, John the Baptist referred to those outward actions that follow repentance when he said, Bring forth, therefore, fruit worthy of repentance. We know from this that God is looking for fruit or proof of repentance. We, need, we see an example of this in the First, Thess in First Thessalonians. And I already um, looked back on that, but I, it's so good I want to look at it again. 
where the Apostle Paul was writing about these people in the congregation of Thessalonica here. They had been a very wicked people, but they had genuinely repented. And Paul wrote of these believers, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols and served the living and true God. Notice that these Thessalonians turned toward God, and when they turned toward God, it showed that they turned away from idols. You see that? I know it's very simple. And they didn't just turn toward God. They turned toward Him to serve Him. Pastor Shannon said it on Sunday. Save people, serve people. Right? This was a lifelong commitment. The Thessalonian believers didn't just claim that they had repented, but they showed the reality of their decision to change by how they thought how they lived, and how they served. Therefore, Paul said, in essence, it was your outward change that was the guaranteed proof that real repentance had taken place. You see, repentance is not just accepting what needs to happen. That's just an, just an acknowledgement. Repentance is when you actually make the decision to turn. It's a conversion so deep that it is a result in a permanent life change. If there's no transformation, no change of behavior or desire in a person who claims he repented, it's doubtful that genuine repentance has taken place. As we've seen, repentance really was a military term that mean, meant about face. In other words, it was the decision. I'm turning around and going in a different direction. I'm making a decision that I'm going to be different from this moment Forward. Are you guys beginning to see right here in, in Hebrews chapter 5? He's saying, listen, you guys are stuck in the milk phase. It's time to get the meat. It's time to put the milk aside. Quit, quit going back to the old life. You've got to make a change of mind. Are, you beginning, are, the, are all the puzzles coming together of how important it is that we repent? Repentance begins with that decision to make an about-face change, but the proof that has really happened is in your behavior after you make the, that decision. Maybe a person had a religious experience, or maybe you learned that he likes the culture of the church, and so he changes the way he talks to be more like the people he's around in that church. But if that person never came to a place of repentance that brought a dramatic change in the way he thinks, lives, and behaves, he is on dangerous ground. He's just sitting in church thinking he's on the... <clears throat> on the road to heaven, yet if there has been no inward change, there is no proof that he's been saved. I've seen that, seen that before. That's why I said it. Four elements of repentance. David was under the old covenant, but he actually had a New Testament revelation of repentance and forgiveness. His words in Psalms 32 and verse 5 provide one of the best descriptions in the Bible of how to repent. You ready? Psalm 32, 5, I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So in this verse, David gives us four parts of repentance. Number one, acknowledgement of sin. You cannot repent if you don't recognize something is wrong. So first, David said, I acknowledge my sin to you. I was wrong, I messed up, and I need to change. Number two is this, honesty with God. David said, my iniquity I have not hidden. 
When you come to God, don't try to dress up your life. Don't, don't hide the truth. Say, Lord, I'm just going to tell you the whole situation. God knows the truth anyway, right? But when you tell it to him, you're coming into agreement with him. I mean, y'all know we can be honest with the Lord. We can be honest with anybody. We can be honest with the Lord. Number three is confession of sin. David said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Number four is this, forgiveness of sin. God always responds to true repentance with his forgiveness. He said, and you forgave the inquiry of my sin. We must first recognize our sin and our need to change. Instead of trying to hide our sin, we must be honest before God and be willing to change. And we must confess our sin to the Lord. As we follow these three principles of repentance, the Lord takes care of the fourth principle. Amen. He releases forgiveness in our lives, which then releases the power of the Holy Spirit on our behalf to enable us to change and bring forth the fruits of repentance. This is the process that is required for your spiritual growth. The Holy Spirit will be faithful to show you the things that He requires you to change. As He does this, it's your part to acknowledge what He has shown you. Don't hide the truth about it. Confess it to the Lord, and He'll forgive you. Amen? Then He will empower you to turn from your wrong words, wrong behavior, and wrong habits so that you can be free. That is always God's desire for us. That we should be free in every area of our life. And that's why he tells us here in Hebrews 6.1. That our, that our walk with him starts with the foundation of repentance. After all, if we don't get this first elementary principle right. We don't even have a beginning. But by laying solid a foundation of repentance from the start. We will have the necessary knowledge to stay aligned with God's word and his will for our lives all the way to the finish line. How many of y'all learned something tonight? Amen. Next week, we're going to talk about faith toward God. Now, this is a big one. Lots of people have faith for healing. Uh, they have faith for the breakthrough and faith for other things. But this is the elementary principle that he's teaching, talking about of a faith toward God. How many of y'all know <clears throat> our belief would be nothing without faith? Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The Bible says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. We walk by and not by. Amen? So how many of y'all know faith is a biggie in your foundation and your walk with Christ? All right? You thankful you came to Bible school tonight? All right. Praise the Lord. We're getting out a little bit early. We can go ahead and hit that hot fudge Sunday at Brahms. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word, that it is a lamp unto our feet, that it is a light into our path. And God, I just pray that tonight, Lord, I, I pray, God, that this sinks inside of our hearts. Lord, that uh, times where the, when the Holy Spirit convicts us uh, of things that are in our life, I, I pray, God, that tonight, as we, we saw this in Scripture of David, how he was honest before you, how he confessed his sin to you, and Lord, you forgave us of our sin. And God, I just want to take this time to just thank you, 
thank you, God, for being patient with me. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth chance. Thank you, God, for never giving up on me or throwing the towel in. Even though when people did, when teachers did, when coaches did, when parents have, God, you never leave us and you never forsake us. You're always there for us. And God, tonight I just pray for each and every person uh, that is in this room. Lord, I pray that this foundation of repentance, Lord, got inside of their heart, that it got on the inside of them how important it is, the act of repentance. And Lord, as it burns in us, may it burn in us for the lost of people that we come around. Lord, to, to see them come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Come into a relationship with you and do this act of repenting. Lord, you said, repent for the kingdom of God. Heaven is at hand or the kingdom of God is at hand. So, Lord, we want your kingdom here on this earth. And, Lord, we know that that will come when repentance comes. You said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and repent of their wicked ways. And I will heal from heaven and I will heal their land. And so, Lord, I know revival comes when repentance comes. I know shakening comes when repentance comes. I know an awakening comes when repentance comes. And so, God, we just pray, Lord, in this area, repentance. We pray, God, in the White House, repentance. We pray, God, in the Congress, repentance. We pray, God, that in the Supreme Court, there is repentance. We pray, God, across the world that there is repentance and the kingdom of God will be restored in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. You think where you came? Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.